Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the bestoprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Drummer today, we have Caveman. I haven't slept in three days. Also, if you hear a bunch of clicky clacking, that's a new keyboard I got. So I'm going to try, I'll do, I'll try to edit it out in post, but I might not get it all. So I'm sorry. But it's mechanical. Dead man's keeping me up and making me record this. You could say no. I'm just dicking around. <laughs> I got I got sleep last night. I hadn't slept in three days, it felt like. Like I, I was I was literally running off of naps for like four days, five days, and it was ridiculous. But I've actually it allowed me like, to watch some TV. Yeah. I've actually gotten like a solid night's sleep for the last few nights. I envy you. I mean, yeah, like it was going to bed at 8 a.m. and waking up at 5 a.m., then going to bed at 6 a.m. and waking up at 2. I envy you. But it was still sleep. Which, fuck it, I'll take. When you're a night shifter, you'll take any kind of sleep. Yep. Any hoozle. <sighs> it's weird doing these shows now that I know somebody's listening to it. <laughs> So we Thanks got a patron. Again, absolute zero. We got our first motherfucking patron. And he commented on a thing. I post all of our podcasts and shit to fucking the Patreon, and then he put he commented on a thing. I was like, oh God, reinteraction. A person listened to a thing and was like was like, hey, responding to it. Let me guess, he was agreeing with you about the length of the podcasts? Uh no, actually. It was for the video games podcast, and he was like, yo, fuck him, I'll stay in with you, bros. I don't remember what that was in reference to because I don't remember anything we recorded. <laughs> Just ask Birdie. He'll probably have listened to it by now. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, God. Anyway, we're here talking about movies and stuff. It's a caveman. Oh, I get to go first? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to start this off on a um, controversial note. Somewhat controversial, though probably less controversial given the age of the products I'm going to be talking about. Fuck Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock. Okay, like, A, that's going to piss off some people, and B, controversial? Controversial. I have trouble saying words sometimes. <laughs> controversial. Benedict Cumberbatch is a terrible Sherlock. His Sherlock is standoffish, a massive asshole, shows absolutely no proclivity towards improvement in any way, does not care about other people's feelings at all, and I'm pretty sure he Googles most of the stuff he says whenever he's analyzed someone. And I say this because I've recently been watching Elementary, <laughs> which has the best modern Sherlock I have ever seen. Yeah, I, I watched that too, and I was really surprised at how well that dude was doing. He's great. He's, a, he's playing the role wonderfully. Lucy Liu actually compliments him in it, which shocked me because I expected she was just there for eye candy because she's still hot at whatever age she is. No, that's, that's the thing. Like Lucy Liu has reached that age where, like, yeah, she's still fucking smoking, but she is like also a respected actress. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She is a, she is a great Watson. Cuz like one of the big things in the show is Sherlock taking Watson from the role that Watson is used to and bringing the bringing her into and yes, it's female Watson for those who haven't who weren't watching NBC or whatever channel this came on. Her first name is Joan. 
Yeah. Because, yeah, of course it is. Taking, taking her from the role she's used to and turning her into a detective. And respecting her. Which is something Benedict never fucking does. Yeah, there's moments he, that are immediately undercut by him being a shit. Yes. But this Sherlock has genuine emotional moments and it's let to sit. He will apologize when he's been an ass. Which Benedict never does, unless it's come back to haunt him. Okay, and actually, so, I do you have much experience with, like, the Conan Doyle stories? Yes, I own one of the, um, I, I own a tome that actually expands on the originals with footnotes to explain everything that a modern American reader wouldn't understand from the original stories. Okay, cool. So I don't have I don't really have any experience with those things, and my only real experience with Sherlock has been the Sherlock movies and TV stuff. So Robert Downey Jr., Benedict Cumberbatch, the dude from the, the dude from Elementary, whose name I can't not fucking remember. As a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, the best Sherlock Holmes is the dude from Elementary, because Sherlock Holmes wasn't just. A an attractive man who commanded attention. He was a charismatic man. He was a man who could get you to listen to him. Who could get you to... When he said something, people stopped and listened, not because they knew he would be right, but because he made sense. Because he would take the time to explain things. Because he was brilliant. He wore the outfit that he did to draw attention to himself so that people would focus on him. He knew how to fight because he knew he'd be thrown into dangerous situations. The big problem the big problem I have with the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock is it focuses on one segment of Sherlock. And that is the I am the Dedusa segment. And that's the only part that the Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch Sherlock pays attention to. And aside, you got me, who I also kind of think that uh, Johnny Lee Miller, because I just looked his name up. I also do think he's kind of my, one of my favorite uh, like on-screen Sherlock's. Because the character, like, like looking at Benedict Cumberbatch, he is a cunt. Yeah, a massive asshat. And I'm not saying that about the actor. No, yeah, Benedict, Cumber- about Benedict Cumberbatch, from what I've seen, he seems like a really nice dude. Yeah. He just plays like, from what, like a cunt, and I'm pretty sure that's Stephen Moffat's side of things. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And he plays him like a cunt, and he's occasionally treated like a cunt, but then every other time treated as a fucking messiah. Yeah. Then In he- this, one of my favorite lines, I was just re-watching it with my uh, wife's father, because we were hanging out with him for various reasons today. Uh, I won't get into that, but... Literally, my favorite line of the show is in the first goddamned episode. (laughs) In the first episode, he expounds to Watson about, oh, this, that, and the other. Oh, and it's very nice of of your mother to take your father back after the cheating. Or divorce or something like that. And that's not my favorite line. My favorite line comes later. When she asks, how did you know my father had done this? And... He said, I googled you. <laughs> Sorry. I googled you. Not everything's deducible. Oh, I love that. 
It's so good. Yeah, like oh, John Lee Miller, he does a really great charismatic guy. He's occasionally a dick, but that comes more from like a, not him being a cunt, just him like not really getting a lot of social stuff. Or him being upset. Most yeah, of the time when he's like, an asshole, he's been, ups- he's yeah, been made upset by something. And like his relationship this with This is uh, how Sherlock should be. <laughs> and his relationship with Watson. So in in elementary, I think I've talked about it on the show before. But in elementary, uh, Joan is Joan initially starts out. Watson initially starts out as his sobriety guide, his sober companion. Yeah, his sobriety companion because Sherlock just really got out of rehab after a heroin overdose. Another thing I love about this show: so many others just gloss over the fact that he's addicted to fucking drugs, and that's one thing that I loved about the RDJ movies. Yes, they acknowledge that he's addicted to drugs. And that's a massive note for Sherlock. Because he is an addict. And, oh, it's so good. Yes, I love this. Yeah, and so, like, having her be in, like, a position of almost authority Authority. over Sherlock. It's not almost authority. Because also in the first episode, he ditches her. And she comes in, like, queen bitch. Like, listen. You're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. Uh, she wasn't being a bitch. She was being authoritative. She was being a boss ass bitch. Use, I shouldn't use the term bitch to describe that because that is derogatory and it's not fair. Uh-huh. She came in and said, no, you do things my way or you're going to be in trouble. And I loved it. It's, oh, a, it's, it's a good dynamic that we don't really see a lot. Like The closest thing we got saw was Jude Law. Because like Jude Law, while he is like also like his fucking Sherlock's buddy... He also calls Sherlock a piece of shit a lot. Yeah, it was great. Whereas Watson is like, is like you know, telling Sherlock to go fuck himself while when he's not sucking his dick. I mean that. I mean that's the Martin Freeman one. Just so often it is, it is just like fuck you, you brilliant piece of shit. Well, just, let's go- uh, publish a blog that actually gets super popular because I'm writing about your cases. It is like you fucking suck. That's another thing about Joan. I could never see her writing a blog about this. Oh God, no. (laughs) And I, I know that it was a reference to the original books being suggested to have been written by Watson. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. It's been years since I've read the original. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was like written. I think they were all like written like from the point of view of Watson as as he's like you know recounting his adventures with with Holmes. From what I remember reading on Wikipedia. Because I ain't going to read books. But I think yeah. I'm some kind of nerd. Watson as Holmes' biographer. So, yeah. Watson wrote the books. Yeah. yeah Elementary no. was cool. Elementary is great. I kind of fell off of it with the Moriarty reveal. Uh, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, I won't say anything about it. I'll just say that was a bit where I was like, eh, maybe a step too far. If you like Sherlock Holmes, stop watching Sherlock, start watching Elementary. That's all I'm going to say. It's all on Hulu. Go watch it. Well, that's more than I expected to say on that. (laughs) Yeah, and get ready for season six premiering at the end of this month. They've done 120 fucking episodes of that show. Cool. Uh, The next thing I want to talk about is Voltron. I'm only halfway through the new season. I think. I think I'm like three or four episodes in. Okay. I think it's a six episode season. 
I'm not one. Yeah, something like that. It's fucking stupid. But it looks like it's finally a return to form. After two seasons of nonsense bullshit that I don't care about, finally we get some emotional, driven episodes that fucking work. I don't know if you're still watching Dead Man. I finished it. You finished it? Yeah. So do you agree or disagree with me? Yeah. Yeah, it is emotionally driven and is more focused on like, like you know, character, motivation, all that shit. It's just, I... All the problems I had with the previous seasons are still present in this one, but kind of amplified more so. I'm not have I'm not seeing the old problems I had with the previous seasons, so I'm specifically talking about like story and pacing. Like this feels like half a season of Voltron, which already felt like half a season of a regular TV show. But still trying to cram as much into it as a regular full season of a TV show. I can see where you're coming from there. I truly can, because I'm like they rush through a plot line, and um, let's just say I'm unhappy with how the characters react to finding someone and then that person being very casual about not spending time. Yeah, and it wasn't helped by the fact that, like... Like, seriously, I was like, hey, he's going to be the science officer, is he? Nope. Nope. Just gone. We got pitched for that. Send that fucker back to Earth. I'm trying not to spoil who it is for you guys who haven't watched it yet, but we're probably past the spoiler point, so yeah. if Dead Man spoils it, it's not on me. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that in this, they still have an episode, like an entire episode, that's mainly devoted to the buildup of a relationship and fucking around with a stupid robot. That episode, I feel like, might be the worst of the series, and not because it's actually bad, just because it doesn't make sense for how they set up the season. I haven't gotten to that point, as far as I know, so, like, I might have just not noticed it. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to. Then I probably haven't gotten to that point yet. It's literally half the episode. Just fucking Lance, Hunk, and Pidge programmed a robot, programmed one of the fucking... Galra robots to be able to have fun. So you now have one of those fucking robots. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That sounds stupid. Yeah, so you have so you have so you have the opportunity to see one of the fucking droning fucking Galra robots in this fucking monotone voice go, cheese it, it's the fuzz, and then jump on a fucking hover cart and fly away. Uh, this that's one of the episodes where they try to be like, Oh yeah, we're shit, we're a kids show. Fuck. Uh 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 Galra robot having fun. Meanwhile, show. yeah. Meanwhile, in a separate room, I don't mean a separate storyline. I mean a separate room. It's fucking Lotor and the princess getting fucking handsy. Oh my! But like, not super handsy. It's still a kid show. Yeah. Yeah. Just everyone's. Just, you get those. You get storylines that if they were given like another episode or two. They could really flesh them out and like tell a full-on for real story with them that had like more emotional impact. But they had to speed through goddamn everything because it's six episodes and they had to devote like half of it to just weird fucking kid show bullshit. Yeah, seriously, whoever's setting up your season length uh, Voltron, kick him in the teeth. 
it almost feels like what happened with like Korra. I mean, Legend yeah. of Korra, not Korra, Korra. Yeah. I, I actually can totally get what you're talking Just, about. Just there's there. some motherfucker sitting in a fucking studio doing cocaine. And it's like, all right, so you're going to have fucking half an episode. Have half an episode dude all this shit. It's like, wait, but we need like more of that. It's like, fuck you. You're going to make me money. We don't want to spend too much. Studio me is costing too much fucking money. It looked too good. Every Hollywood executive sounds like they're from Brooklyn. I don't know why. <laughs> Where's Netflix based anyway? Who knows? Though I am curious about the mystery of Dark Shiro in the Voltron Nexus. I, I'm gonna. I'm watching for that. Yeah, you'll 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 get something out of it. You'll that. be disappointed. Are you going to tell me that I'll be disappointed? Not disappointed. It's just they treat it like a reveal when it's not. Okay. Literally, I'm pretty sure they revealed it last season, and even if they didn't, if you've ever read a story. Aw, that makes me sad. Okay, so moving on to my final topic. I know it's been all of like 10 minutes. <laughs> Deal with it. Well, to be fair, it's been like 15. Come at me, bro. This one I actually have a little bit to well, talk about, Well, they can't though. at you. They can Come at me to dead pass it man. on. At dead man, he'll yell at me. Don't worry about it. Um, the reboot of reboot. <laughs> I remember when that fucking trailer came out. They released a trailer for it like a couple weeks ago, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. I didn't know this was a reboot until dead man told me it was a reboot, and then I said, "It's a reboot of a reboot." <laughs> I was very confused until he tried to explain it to me. Um, normally, when I take notes for this show, which I haven't done for a while, but I'm finally starting to get back into that, they're about half a page. This came out to a page and a half because I I had so many feelings, and most of them were neutral or not neutral. Like, neutral or nearly bad. Yeah. I, but I have not had a negative enough feeling to stop watching. Oh my god, fuck you, what? Wait, was that me or something you This, read? I'm reading this. What? So, I'm on the, so, so reboot the Guardian, so, I'll, some background, I guess. So, I'll just, just a background, uh, reboot, the original reboot, was a TV show from the 90s, Canadian, Canadian CG TV show set inside a computer. Focused on the programs inside of it. Uh, fighting viruses and all kinds of shit in there, and also dealing with the games. Because every once in a while, a person would like boot up a fucking game on their computer or whatever, then it would come down, and it's just a giant cube. They would go inside of it, and then they would hit little buttons on themselves and go, reboot, and then they would turn into NPCs in that game. Tron. Yeah, basically. It was basically like Tron for kids, but like more so. It was a big fucking thing. Uh, it wasn't, it's not great. Like thinking back on it now, it's not good, not very good, but it's beloved. But it's like a remembered thing, so people fucking suck the dick about it. Re a fondly remembered idea. Yeah, but the thing was, it was entirely CG. Every every character, every set, every everything was CG. The people who the, the actual like humans outside in the real world, they didn't exist until the cubes dropped. And even then, they even then we just got the look. We just got their fucking player character, which may as well have been a monster. 
This is a live-action CGI hybrid series produced, I believe, by the studio that did the original reboot. Yeah, fucking Rainmaker Studios, a.k.a. Mainframe Entertainment. This is a live-action CGI hybrid from the people who made the original, produced in Canada by Canadians, and aired everywhere except Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is delicious. However, in June, it will be airing on YTV. That is delicious. Yeah, just, it is a reimagined, it's a reimagined series inspired by the original computer animated TV series reboot, and the first 10 episodes have aired on Netflix worldwide, excluding Canada. That is delicious. That is like a chocolate-coated cookie. I want to fucking stab somebody. <laughs> Okay, so I'll avoid spoilers, but that won't be very hard because I'm only four episodes in. Also, fuck it. Yeah. Um, It doesn't matter. Spoil away. Who gives a shit? It's goddamn um, reboot. It's not reboot. No, it isn't, actually. It's it's Power Rangers. No, it's not even that. It's fucking Zix. No, it's Power Rangers. Like, it, it's fucking Power Rangers. Including the fucking mentor character. So, let me give let me give you the uh, let me give you the intro as I've rewritten it. Four teenagers with attitude gather together in a mysterious secret classroom to fight an unknown evil that seeks to destroy their world. Follow along as they battle the Sorcerer and Megabyte. Uh, it's a fucking Power Rangers. Also, just for reference, Sorcerer has a U in it, so it's like source, like source code. But with an yeah. error at the end. Because they think they're clever. At least the show hasn't made me yell, how do you know, yet. <laughs> I, I keep expecting that from shows of this quality. I'm trying to find images but, of the new Megabyte, because I feel like it looks like shit. Yeah, kind of. Like, old Megabyte, he didn't look great, but he had a fucking... He was interesting. One of the things that annoyed me immediately was they did they didn't call computer viruses computer viruses. The uh, sorcerer, spelled with a U, programmed digital locusts to feed on the UK power grid. Yeah, yeah, it's actually about that bad. No, that's the original megabyte. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's improved slightly. Has it, though? Because, like, yeah, it looks like shit, but it's a design. Yeah. It's pretty much... Like, they, they've expanded on the original design. After a fashion. The only image... Oh, it's... Okay, so I fucking searched for... I goddamn searched for Megabyte Guardian Code, and they gave me a picture of the mainframe. Awesome. Um, but, now, as I was saying... Um... So, yeah... And then instead of saying viruses have invaded the area, they call it dark code. Because edgy. This isn't the fucking 90s. Also, they're viruses. Call them viruses. They're literally viruses. You call megabyte virus. You call megabyte a virus. Yeah, megabyte is a virus. So it's hexadecimal. Call them viruses. Jesus Christ, this fucking... 
piece of shit. Also, this show very quickly introduces each of the characters, gives us base personality traits, and I actually like it. Usually when this happens, I'm like, oh, wow, you are expounding on these characters' traits, and you are not entertaining in the least. But this is actually doing it in an okay way. They establish that the school they're at is, like, the mecca for tech uh, nerds in this uh, city. And that, like, you have to be smart to get in. Which, oh my god, I I, I actually was feeling for two of the characters. <laughs> um, male lead and uh, tough guy. Because uh, I don't know their names, because their names aren't important. It's fine. Um, and I could look them up if I wanted lead- to, but I don't want to. Male lead, literally, the first thing he says is, huh, yeah, they expe- they're going to expect me to be as smart as him. That's going to be fun. And every school I went to, I was a straight-A student until I got into the best high school in the city, which was one of the top ten in the country. And suddenly, I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> Just blanket fucking moron. Like, dude, I could put on my shoes. <laughs> Level of, like, compared to the people I was talking to, that's what I felt like. I felt like the, I learned how to tie my shoes today, guy. I can prove that and on my no, nose I'm and mouth. I'm not making fun. I'm not making fun of mentally handicapped people with that voice. I'm making fun of that idiot that refuses to learn. <laughs> that's who I'm making fun of. No, I, I know. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I totally got that feeling. And then the show entered cliche territory. The first episode was actually decent. The second episode, we had to deal with leader not wanting to be leader. Oh my god. Yay. Oh, also, their uh, AI sidekick generates a body for itself so it can enter into the real world, and I think it's super cute. (laughs) Whenever an AI enters the human world and it's like, I do not understand the cultural differences with the humans i'm like oh that's so cute <laughs> so I, I i like her character she gets a free pass they ever explain uh, like how they just made life uh i think it's like a biomechanical android or something like that uh i need to rewatch those episodes, okay so it's t800 but i like her and i like the other girl because you look at her and you're like oh she's standard generic punk rocker but no she's a person and it's it's actually kind of interesting watching her interact with stereotype nerd, stereotype smart jock, stereotype slacker. Wait. It's kind of interesting watching a real person interact with these characters. Can I just add an oxymoron there? What do you mean? Stereotype smart jock? Yeah, because he is intelligent, but he's a jock. Like, he, like the first thing he's going to go to is sports. Yeah, sports but the stereotype, the stereotype isn't... There is a stereotype for the smart jock. The jock who actually has a brain, but mostly does jockey things. Like sports ball. That, like, it shows up, it's shown up more often nowadays where people are trying to, like, not paint characters as one-dimensional. So, in my opinion, it has become a stereotype where you'll get the sportsy nerd or the smart jock. Because 
like when I can select characteristics about the smart jock and like boom 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 that's who they are his first scene will show him playing sports ball okay he is in a school that does not seem appropriate for someone of his assumed intellect level okay he's having trouble with classes because other things are going on in his life okay all of that applies I don't know about you but I prefer sports stick okay just get out there with their sticks and hit the thingy into the what's it? Everybody goes woo. Um, this show also had a let's kill a character moment and then immediately retreated from that, and it really irritated me. Like <laughs> I literally, I wrote, "Death doesn't matter. Death doesn't mean shit in this show." Because literally, like something explodes, and they're all like, "No, main character." And then five seconds later, he's like, what's up, dude? And I'm just like, did you respawn or you avoided the explosion? Okay, you dodged the explosion. Fucking Christ. No, Uncanny okay. Dodge. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's evasion. I actually like their costumes, too. Like, like Birdie was watching it with me and he was like, ah, they're a little busy. And I'm like, I kind of like them. They're cool. Like, I'm, I also kind of liked the, the Power Rangers costume from the Power Rangers movie. So, fuck me, am I right? Yeah, fuck you. Um, there is one problem I have with this show. Oh, just one? It, well, this is the first one to come up in my notes. Like, the other ones are me remembering problems I had with the show. <laughs> it really makes it feel like you should have watched the original series. Because it keeps referencing things from the original series. Well, if it was available in Canada, I'd be able to comment on that. Because it's a Canadian show, it's not. Well, I'll wait until June. I don't have YTV. I don't have television here. Oh, it's also super fucking obvious that the computer nerd wants to fuck the robot. Well, yeah. Like, so fucking obvious. Like, it's so heavy-handed, I'm surprised the show can raise its hand. Well, I mean, you said he's a stereotype nerd, right? So, oh god, a fucking person who isn't a person? I'll stick my dick in that. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, there's also an unnecessary, like, the show keeps doing unnecessary jokes. It's like, hey, hey, in case you forgot we were a kid's joke, this guy gets the message on the toilet and has to hurry to zip up his pants without wiping. Blah-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> his super suit's gonna have skate marks. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, just a ma- At least the... At least uh, the live actions, um, the live action scenes seem pretty well acted. The big problem is the voice acting for everyone but Megabyte seems a little hokey. Like, they're not used to voice acting yet. Probably because they're not. And it's also self-aware about its lame-ass cliches. Like, it knows it's gonna... It's, it's, it's not, being self-aware is not a good thing in this instance. Yeah. Because like, it'll be a- like... It'll be like, hey, we're doing this lame-ass cliche. And I'll be like, please don't. And then they'll do it. And I'm like, at least you're self-aware about it. That's not a good thing, but at least you know what you're doing is wrong. But no, that makes it worse. Yeah. Like, like doing like doing the whole, like, you know, hey, we're doing this trope, but we're, we're, mo- we're self-aware, like, like self-aware, mocking oh, and it, whatever. The, like, that is a slippery the rest of slope. My note, the rest of my notes are, fuck you, Googs. Fuck Googs. Uh, cause the last episode I watched, um, well, 
actually the last episode I watched on these notes. I have a separate section of notes based on the next episode. Um, so Googs, who is the computer nerd, doesn't have a weapon at the beginning. Wait, Googs? What? Goggles, Googs. They all have handles for their... Oh, the way they're recruited is they played um, a really lame-looking phone game. So it's the last Starfighter, but worse? Probably. Um, but yeah, uh, there's Googs, there's other characters whose names I can't remember. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, but no. So Googs realize he doesn't have a weapon. And instead of being like, well, let me figure out how to use my strength as a weapon, given that I can throw up walls of force in the middle of nowhere and they're paper thin so I could create blades that slice through the air, his response is to make a fucking shoulder cannon. Out of the force things? No. He hacks his character's model and builds himself a cannon. Like, they can literally rewrite their own code when they're in the game. Like, it comes up earlier, one of the characters says, Hey, can you take my weapon and make it do this instead of this so that I can do this? And I'm like, why did you guys not think of that earlier? This is a good this is a good weapon upgrade to give him, but why did you guys not think of that earlier? But, anyway, uh, so, another, uh, like, this actually has a moment where it's good, where... The Googs asks Robot Lady, Hey, Robot Lady, can I have a weapon? And she says, No, you are not proficient with that yet. Once you have shown proper proficiency, I shall give you one. And I'm like, Okay, that makes sense. Good. That's smart. That's smart. It does? Because it, like it sounds like you need five years of experience to get this entry-level position. He has a way to fight. It's not like he cannot fight. No, I know he has He's a way to fight, being... but it appears the show doesn't. Yeah, he, I'm the invisible woman. I have all these awesome shit that I can just do whatever with. I'm gonna build a gun. I, I it, that segment really pissed me off. Yeah, because you'd think um, the fucking nerdy one would be able to fucking think outside the goddamn box. He literally has force fields that he can control the size and shape of, and his response is to create a dome to hide under. Fucking yeah. Moron. Like, I have the power to create fucking all kinds of dumb shit. Whatever, I'm gonna be the... I'm gonna fucking turn myself into Predator, but worse. So he builds a shoulder cannon, and then goes into an MMO mobile game. <laughs> like, I'm not quite sure. And starts fragging players. Oh, fuck him. And, like... They have swords and spears. He has a shoulder cannon. Fuck him. That griefing piece of shit. Yeah. And then we get to find out the major fucking weakness that should have been mentioned in episode fucking two. This is episode four. And what is that? If they run out of power... Their suit goes into a stasis mode. If their suit completely runs out of power, it force decodes itself because it can't keep running, and the wearer will it will start feeling incredible pain until death. Wait, what? Yeah, they need the suit to enter into virtual into the digital world, even though that's not how the internet works. 
It's a parallel dimension. Like, they actually established in the first episode that it's a parallel dimension, but... Uh, okay, it's but... Not, it's not how the internet works. Do their suits but, do their suits run on like Serpentera's battery power? Actually, no. Like they go through fight after fight after fight after fight without drawing any real amounts of power. So I it's a, so, so it's a super powerful threat that does nothing and means nothing. I don't think so. I think like there is a balance because in that same episode is the first episode I started watching their power meters, and they do gradually go down as they go through things. So it is like, okay, the longer you spend in the net, the more power you you drain. That makes sense. That works. All right. Now, my brain just shut down. Give me a second. I haven't, <laughs> for, I haven't been sleeping well. Um, and my throat's raw. That's fun. Um, hey, no, it's like for me. Now, Googs gets captured by Megabyte because he came into this game to create an army because Megabyte is a competent villain. Like, seriously, I, I've got nothing to say against Megabyte. He's being competent. Wait until and you meet Hexadecimal captured. with her weird fucking porcelain doll mask face. That'd be cool. But Megabyte captures Googs, and then Googs is like, what, are you going to kill me? And he's like, no, you're not a threat. I'm going to use you as bait so I can catch your friends. And I'm like, yes, that's true. He's not a threat. Yeah, you can't even use your fucking powers right, you piece of shit. So the others show up, rescue Googs, and then the biggest problem I have with the episode. The robot mentor character gives him a weapon. <laughs> Is it a pistol? No, it's these weird boomerang discus things that can be locked together to form a shield. And I'm of two minds about this. I'm wondering if she gave it to him so that he wouldn't do that stupid shit again. Or if she gave it to him because the writers genuinely thought he deserved a reward for putting everyone in danger. And then realizing, hey, if I use my powers intelligently, I can save the day. <laughs> and then the last episode I watched had one of the most irritatingly cliche intros ever. Now, we're about two weeks into the school year at this point. Jock is already failing so hard that he's about to get kicked from the team. I thought I was supposed to be smart. We don't even have mid-quarter report cards in yet. And he's already failing so hard that he's about to get kicked from the team. But one test will change it all. So the entire episode, he's rushing them through their quest, which is to stop a digital cat from infecting every device with cat videos. Which I actually think is kind of fun. <laughs> I like that part. Um, I don't know. And then finally he explains the situation and the team's like, why the fuck didn't you say something earlier? Dude, we got this. Don't worry about it. And they help him. They solve the problem. And then they send him off to go take his test while they finish the mission. 
And nerd boy says something nerdy that ultimately helps him pass the test. <coughs> this show has potential. It has interesting potential. Being that I never watched the original series, I can't say if it's true at all to the original series, or if it's a giant slap in the face. But I can say that I'm going to keep watching it, and I fully expect to be thoroughly disappointed because it's been wasting its potential so far. And only half the season is out right now. And that's all she wrote. Yeah, fucking Christ. Seriously, gee. It's a Canadian show. I broke dead, man. I broke dead, man. Oh, no, none of the release dates broke dead, man. No, the release schedule broke dead, man. Because it's a fucking Canadian show. And it's released literally everywhere except Canada. Oh, Canada. Fuck you, Netflix. Can't watch our TVs here. Yeah, fuck. I think... For a while there, Murdoch Mysteries wasn't on goddamn Canadian Netflix. <laughs> that is one of the most Canadian fucking things I've ever seen. Yeah, Hell, it really it's set is. In Toronto. About the fucking <sighs> Canadian Sherlock Holmes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Netflix oh, really hates man. Canada. <laughs> Oh, Canada, can't watch Netflix up here. No, we can't just they dog fuck shit. us on the release and, and shove it up our rear. Yeah, everyone's like, we got this, we got this, we got this. And the kid was like, yeah, well, we have we have Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and that's it. That's going way too, because Disney's making their own thing. Yeah, I really wish they'd stop trying to do that. Well, get fucked. Yeah. Anyway. The reason, the reason digital platforms are popular is because then we don't have to pay tons of money to a cable company. So instead, we're paying, so instead we're paying tons of money to individual cable producers. Except I'm paying barely anything. I'm actually not paying anything because I'm using my mom's Netflix. Yeah, we're paying like 30 bucks a month. When to get all of the shows that we'd want, it would cost us like a hundred and twenty. At that point, you might as well just fucking get like I don't know satellite TV, which nobody will, because it's satellite. Yeah, it's like, well, actually, just because it's like broadcast television. It's like, wait, what do you what do you mean? Like, what do you mean I have to like sit here at this very specific time and watch this thing with commercials? We're gonna think I'm some kind of fucking animal. No, I want to sit in a I want to sit in a chair whenever the fuck I want to and watch it whenever the fuck I want to with no commercials and be able to pause it. Piece of shit. People are really entitled. I say without yeah. a hint of irony. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. It's my stuff. So, last episode, I think, I talked about Mr. Pickles. An Adult Swim TV show that is terrible. But the theme song, which is a super fucking dirty ass heavy metal beat with just some dude screaming Mr. Pickles. 
It got me thinking about a different. It got me thinking about a different Adult Swim TV show that also had really horrible violence and some shock humor and a fucking kick-ass death metal opening theme. So I started rewatching Metalocalypse. Yeah, I'm Roxo, the rock and roll clown. I do cocaine. Uh, Doctor Roxo, please. He didn't spend fucking five years doing coke for that medical degree. <laughs> Have you disrespected him by just calling him Roxo? <laughs> I'm Doctor Roxo. Uh, the show still holds up. Like it's. It's kind of weird to me just going in and sit, sitting down like watching these two things like kind of as close to back to back as I did because they were they were both like fucking 11 minute shows uh, with a with a emphasis on like somewhat shock value and incredibly violent shit, which is like this dope ass metal opening. But it's like shocking how much better Metalocalypse is than this fucking thing. Like Mr. Pickles. It feels, Mr. Pickles feels like somebody just fucking sat down, rambled off whatever fucking ideas came to their head when they were on ayahuasca or something, and they just made a show out of it. You know, Metalocalypse, it's incredibly rambly, and characters talk over each other all the goddamn time with, like, really weird-ass voices, but it all feels very much written. I, I just sitting here talking to you, I'm thinking about my favorite episode, which is the blues episode. Yeah, <laughs> that good and old mashed potato Johnson. That episode and Musta Karakish are my two favorite episodes of Metalocalypse. And Musta Karakish gets that because I can't help but find myself think singing Musta Karakish, Musta. Crackish, awaken, 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 awaken. Take the souls that must be taken. I can't help but sing that to myself sometimes, and I don't know why. Because it's really repetitive and really simple, and just fucking metal. <laughs> and they kill him with a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's fucking brutal. You know what else is brutal? We're out of minutes. <laughs> Oh, man. Did we get one line? <laughs> I'm just remembering. I Oh, man. it. The second I fucking started watching this, because I started watching this show around the time I started learning guitar. So a good chunk of my guitar learning thing was like, just going to my guitar teacher saying, hey, can you teach me this song from Metalocalypse? And that's kind of the fucking awesome thing about this show is that e- this show... I'm actually kind of surprised that you were really into this show because this is a show kind of built around music. I know, right? Yeah, like for those who like don't I know, Caveman hates music. An, I got another. Fr- I got. I had another friend who was super into it, and she just would not shut up until I watched it. And then I couldn't. Like it would be on. It would be on. Like I'd have the TV on while I was writing, and it, this would come and on. Just, like, this and Squidbillies Squid would be the shows that I would end up accidentally watching, and I. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed Metalocalypse. I despised Squidbillies. Like Squidbillies was the show that could make it could get me out of a depressed funk where I was just sitting there, staring existentially into the distance, contemplating shutting off all of my accounts and never leaving my room again. And then Squidbillies would come on. I'd be like, "Fuck, where's the remote?" <laughs> 
I've got to put it on Comedy Central, because at least that's not Squidbillies. Comedy Central's late night was terrible. Terrible. Yeah, wasn't it? I I don't know anything about Comedy Central's late night except for, like, fucking The Daily Show. Oh, no. That was before The Daily Show. This was before The Daily Show was a thing. When I was watching this shit. I'm talking about, like... Like, the only reason you'd put on Comedy Central after 12 o'clock was because that's when they would show the Girls Gone Wild ads. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, just time, you just time it like, all right, so, right, so they should be on commercial break right now. Because I'm not to even science. joking. I'm not even joking. As a, lonely ch- as a lonely teenager without internet but with cable, I figured out how to access the the uh, porn channels on my TV. And I, like, if that was coming in too grainy, it was cartoon, it was uh, Comedy Central at, like, 1 a.m. It was Cartoon Network. (laughs) (laughs) It was Cartoon Network until... Oh, yeah, girl, totally spies. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, Metalocalypse is just fucking great. If you want to see Adult Swim at its prime... Metalocalypse. Yeah, also if you just fucking like metal. Cause yeah, this show was made by metalheads. This show, like Brendan Small, the guy who made the, the guy who made the show, and he did the voice for um Nathan Explosion, Pickles, and then also wrote all the songs. And performed all the songs. Yeah, because like Metalock, because like Death Clock, the band in it. They they had a touring band. Like they for real like they 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 had Death Clock concerts. Which is kind of amazing. And they released like for real actual albums <laughs> that I fucking jammed out and rocked to. Uh the second one was infinitely better than the first one. The the first one, it was very much like we are figuring out what this is. And our songs are just kind of built for TV shows and not really for real songs. And they get to the second, they get to fucking Death Album 2 when the songs fucking take off. Do you remember um, when they were doing live tours and in order to get out, the tourists had to serpentine away? (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is good show. Like, Like, I want, like, I have to stop and compare. Because, like, I was watching this at the same time as I was watching Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I hated Aqua Teen Hunger Force. But it wasn't as bad as Squid Billies. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when I, when I think back on Metalocalypse, I remember scenes that actually, like, I enjoyed. Like, Roxo, Dr. Roxo the Rock and Roll Clown's face melting. Yeah. I, 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 rem- I can remember that fondly. And then I remember a soda cup pissing off a bald man by sitting in his pool. Yeah. The Sheikh Sula, the Mike Rula, the old Skula. I have a good chunk of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force theme song stuck in my fucking head forever. Yeah, I I could, I cannot. <sighs> Meanwhile, for Metalocos, I just have riffs. I just have fucking riffs stuck in my head. And I'm seriously contemplating buying a bass guitar because I want to learn how to play bass because I want to fucking learn goddamn Murderface's parts. 
I can play with my dick, though. <laughs> Just rubbing it against the crotch. Oh, man. I do not God, think I that can do that. God, that show was awesome. Yeah, and the thing that, kind of, the thing that I kind of like love about it now is that it actually has a story. It does? Yeah, the Metalocalypse is a thing. Like, they, like so... So, the basic structure for every episode is Death Clock, the band. They're doing something with some company or just something that is in the public eye. There is this fucking conglomerate of people that are like senators and military generals and religious leaders and then a fucking sorcerer. Spelled without the U because he's not a fucking nerd. All sitting there talking about ancient prophecies and bringing in their experts uh, to like discuss the effects that the thing is having on fucking reality and and the, and the society, and then things just keep progressing further and further and further along until you get to like the end of it, where we're actually there is just like a fucking huge movie where a cult that act, where a for real religious organization that views Death Clock as their gods try to usher in the end of the world in a wave of death and metal. And this is something that has been built up from the beginning. That is fucking awesome. I never saw the end of that uh, show. I saw up to season three. And there were four seasons. Yeah, there, there was there was there was a for real story happening here. Like, yeah, it did happen in very small bits every now and again. But there was progression. There was things that happened. Hell, there's a huge, there's a whole backstory to this fucking band. In one of the episodes, they straight up have a fucking guitar off versus fucking Squizgar and Toki showing how Toki joined the band. And showing that Toki, like, for, showing that Toki, like, is as good a guitar player as Squizgar. Because Squizgar's lead guitarist, Toki is the rhythm guitarist. And being the lead guitarist, everybody's like, fucking Toki, you suck. I'm sorry, being the rhythm guitarist, everyone's like, Toki, you fucking suck. You're not going to squiz car. But they go into the fucking duel, and in the middle of it, they just summon fucking stands and fly into the sky. Another reason this show is awesome. But then Toki, you know, collapses under pressure, and everybody's like, you know, get the fuck out. And squiz is like, nobody's ever been to place as good as you has. You in, brother? <laughs> and he's like, wowee. I'm in the band. Yeah, Toki was like the five-year-old of the group. Yeah. And I mean that he was mentally at like five. He has a teddy bear. I'm I'm pretty sure he had some developmental issues. I uh, probably. <sighs> the show's Man, so you make you making me want to go rewatch this. It's so fucking good, dude. Well, that's good. Are two new shows. One of which I actually forgot about until we started recording. Oh, wow. Two shows that are so bad, I could not get through the first episode of either of them. Oh, wow. So what do you want to hear about first? Fish people or time travel? (laughs) I'm feeling fishy. Alrighty, so Siren, a new series oh, from I but think the, the 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 trailer for that looked interesting. Fuck. 
So Sirenite is like a freeform series, I think. Yeah. Where in this small town that has a history of mermaid folklore, mermaids show up. The lead one of them being a person who looks kind of like Dren from Splice without makeup. And I mean, like she, I, you've seen a picture of her, right? Gay man, you've seen the trailers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, her face weirds me out. It looks fake, but I know it's not. It's like something about the size of her eyes with given and given like the fucking pronouncing like pronunciation of her cheeks or something. I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about her face that makes me like fucking uncanny valley uncomfortable. But anyway, there's this town. There's a family in this town. They're rich. One of their sons does not like that his family is rich. So he goes out and does other stuff, like living on the fucking docks. A mermaid shows up and goes like, Adam, and he gets like a fucking heart on or whatever. Then the mermaid kills like five people. And a rat. I think. I'm forgetting about this show as I'm talking about it. <laughs> That's depressing. It's just not very good. It's just, it, it is this, it is stupid melodrama we've already seen infinite number of times, but with killer mermaids. Hell, like, they, they start out the series with, with, like, the legend of their fucking town or whatever, where one of the guy where one of the founding members of the town fell in love with a mermaid. So guess what the fuck the show will be about? I'm assuming. Because, I mean, it's about two nominally attractive people around the same age, but on opposite sides of a conflict, so they gon' fuck. It's Romeo and Juliet! But, like, not because they're treating the, because they're treating the mermaids as, like, actual monsters. Yeah, it's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Seriously, the Montagues and the Capulets treated each other like monsters. Yeah, but they were also, in the story, people. This this would be this would be like if the Montagues and the Capulets were like the Montagues and the Borg. Or the Montagues and like a fucking horde of zombies. Just these horrible monsters that are just out there to kill everything. Like they fucking describe them as like there's there's a new breed of predator in the water. It starts out with a fucking kid like one of the things like initializing the fucking wave of fucking mermaids coming in or whatever is a kid on a fucking like paddleboard going out into the fucking lake and a shark head pops up that's been ripped off of the body. Cool. It's really not. Because it is a very tiny shark. And it's also really horribly green screened from what I if I'm remembering right, which I might not be. Show's bad. Which is to say, it is a freeform show. If you're a if you're Arch. one of the freeform audience, core demographic or whatever, or you've or you love other freeform shows, you might be into this. 
I'm not. So I'm not. And the other show is The Crossing. Which, thinking about it now, I actually did finish the first episode. It just took me two sittings. <laughs> okay, what is The Crossing? I haven't heard of that one. So, in a small Pacific Northwest town that is probably in Canada, but they're saying is like in Washington or whatever. A bunch of fucking people wash up on shore on their beach. They all come from they all came from the fucking sea. There has uh, and Homeland Security has not been able to find any wreckage or anything they might have come from. And every single person claims they've been born at like minimum 150 years from now. Okay. They're time refugees here from the future to try to escape the war. The war with super people. I already forgot that you said there was time travel by the time you got to this. Yep. Steve Zahn's in it. Remember Steve Zahn? No. Right answer. <laughs> Steve Zahn's been a bit player in like a bunch of really bad movies, like Strange Wilderness or other weird shit like that. Just he's he's always been like a second fiddle guy who I've never disliked, but I just kind of never really fully registered him as a person. Like I remember doing enough to like make jokes about him. But well, actually, he's been more the punchline of jokes than like the actual joke itself. I think I had a stroke there for a second. What did I say? <laughs> Are you serious or? Kind of. <laughs> okay. I think I said something, but I don't. I don't. I don't know if I meant what I said. I might have been. I don't know. These shows. Fuck me. <laughs> Yeah, it just, it's not interesting. Just The Crossing is just not interesting to me. Like, time refugees should be more interesting to me, but it's just this fucking flat note. I think mainly because, like, everything else is just kind of not there. Like, Steve Zahn's character, he used to, be, he used to be from, like, a bigger city, but then something happened that made him have to come out here. He fucking did, he couldn't, like, he broke up with his wife. And I was like visitation rights with a kid or something. I don't know. He's just kind of. He's a cop with a dark past trying to restart in a small town. But then bad things happen. Just stop. Homeland security ladies like Homeland security ladies like we have this big situation happening over here. I can't let the local fucking whatever get in on this because my case and feds and whatever. And then based on commercials I've seen for the other episodes, the government's like, these people are from the future. Let's manipulate them and use them to make money. Or weapons or something. I don't know. And there's a kid. She fucking sucks. There's her mom. She fucking sucks too. Show's bad. Yeah, I don't know. It's these. I'm having trouble coming up with to say we suffer this because they're they're not bad enough to elicit any kind of actual reaction from me. They're just fucking blech. Yeah, 
I don't know how to... Like, you guys may think I'm being particularly quiet, but I have no idea how to fucking respond to any of this. Yeah, it's like trying to get, it's like trying to get, like, an actual critical fucking analysis of, like, mild, like, mild temperature porridge. <laughs> well, it's a thing. Exactly. It succeeds in being a thing, yeah, it's but like, it's like, not very good. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, they pointed cameras at a thing, and now there's fucking moving images, but that's about it. Moving on to something. Moving on to something interesting. The ritual. This is a new horror movie on Netflix, and it's really good. Okay, I'm gonna be watching that then. This is like one of the first horror movies I watched in a while because I kind of fell off of them there. Like watching this has kind of got me back into it. Like I, there's a bunch of horror movies I've been fucking like stockpiling essentially to watch. What do you have? You heard anything good about Quiet Place? Yes, actually. Good, because I'm I'm interested in that. But from what I've heard, it's it's like the marketing is a bit misleading. Okay. Where like the marketing has been kind of like doing it as like one of those like contemplative horror movies in the veins of like it comes at night. And what it's more like? It's uh, more it's more like just a really well made monster movie. Cool. I was hoping that's what it was, because it looked like there was a monster, like, every so often. But. Yeah, and this is also a little-made monster movie, with a fucking amazing monster design. Like, the design is essentially, what if a deer was, like, f- was, like, the fly teleported with, like, three people? I'm actually gonna oh, pull, God. I'm actually going to pull up an image for you. Oh, please don't. It's, I'd like to sleep tonight. It's, 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 gonna be, it's gonna be a silhouette image. I still like to sleep tonight. Don't worry. fucking worry about it, dude. It's gonna be you're gonna be fine. You're gonna have to like collage all these images that you send me together into one of the uh, title card things. Maybe eventually, but not now. No, actually, I, I feel like this plus the megabit image you sent to me would be just perfect sitting next to each other. <laughs> I wonder how many megabytes that image is of megabyte. Uh, a few. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so creepy. Yeah, yeah, no, those would be perfect next to each other. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, this is a movie from David Bruckner. Uh, he did a... He... He's mainly known, like, the kind of things that he's mainly known for are, from looks like anthology films, because he, his big, like, his big thing that he's kind of mentioned for are um, The Signal, which is a, which is like a fucking horror film that is, looks like an anthology film made by, made by a couple different directors. Uh, and then he also did a segment of VHS. Another actually pretty all right horror anthology movie. This is not an anthology. This is based on a book. Uh, it is about four friends. Uh, their names are Phil, Dom, Hutch, and Luke. Uh, who are in Sweden hiking the King's Trail. This apparently like really great, gorgeous, whatever, fucking slapdick awesome hiking trail. Uh, to commemorate their friend who recently died. Oh, Yes, a death that kind of was Phil's fault. Ooh. 
because we see it at the beginning. Uh, it's the five. It's five of them. Um, like the four of them, like the four guys I just mentioned, and Bob, their buddy, or Rob, or whatever. Uh, they're all kind of hanging out at the fucking pub, talking about like trying to play on a weekend. Some of them are like, yeah, let's go to fucking Amsterdam and get fucking wasted or whatever. Or no, let's go to this, let's go to that. And then Rob's like, hey, let's just go hiking. You know? Just like hang out. Go be with nature or whatever. And they're all like, fuck you. Keep in mind, this is also very British. So it's a lot of fuck off, mate. Fuck off, gov. No boy wants to go get back to the natures and such. Yeah, so... Yeah, so they're all they're all kind of getting getting their drink on, and then Phil is like, after they leave the bar, Phil's like, "Hey, I need more booze. Somebody come with me." Rob's like, "All right, I'll come with you. You're going to a convenience store, which is in the middle of being robbed." Oh, lovely. Yeah. Once the robbers come out, Phil immediately ducks behind a fucking uh, count like what rack shelf. He ducks behind a shelf of booze. I just they're like, "All right, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to right, I'm going to go." I'm just going to stay here. Everything's going to be fine. Robbers start hassling Rob. Phil's about to go do something, but then chickens out and doesn't. And Rob gets bludgeoned to death. As Phil watches. And so uh, Dom is... I think it's Dom. Um, Double checking this. Yeah, Dom. Dom is very much like, yo, fuck you. Fuck you, Phil, you piece of shit. Uh, Luke doesn't really do much for the plot outside of being like an exacerbating factor for monster happenings. Like our kind of main group of dudes, the ones that really matter are Phil and Hutch. Okay. Yeah. Phil, because he is the main character. He is the guy we follow. He is our protagonist. And then Hutch, because he's the guy who is driving everything forward. He is the one trying to keep everybody fucking controlled. And then once he, I guess, spoilers, for a monster movie dies, then things go bad, but like worse. So yeah, as they're hiking on the Kings Trail, they go set up like a little uh, like shrine for Rob, pour one out for him, and we get heading back. As they're heading back, Dom twists his like slips on a rock and fucks up his knee. Oh, knee pain. And they are about a day and a half's trek from the actual lodge where they're staying. So their options are 14-hour hike along the trail or 8-hour hike cut through the forest. They cut through the forest. Once they get in there, they find a bunch of like symbols and shit carved into trees and then a deer hung up on two trees gutted. Oh, lovely. And this, people, is why you stick to the trail, even yeah. if it takes longer. Yeah, and then from there, it's just them trying to find their way out of the forest as... More and more evidence starts piling up that there's something in the forest hunting them. Blair Witch 4, the Demon Deer Project. No, like, it's actually, there's actually like more stuff happening than that. Like, like repeatedly, uh, Phil has nightmares taking him back to when Rob died. And they're all shot like really fucking well. Like the, the use of uh, this is all, I believe, I believe it's like for real shot in forests. I can't find any information about that, but yeah, it, it, like, the majority of it is shot in the woods. And they make use of that. Like, there are multiple times where they, like, actually set up and, like, redesign the whole, like, the whole like liquor store 
in the woods. So just like shelves and shelves of booze in the middle of a fucking forest. All lit, all lit by like fluorescent lighting. So it's this really unearthly and weird feeling seeing like, seeing like all this shit in the middle of the woods. And it works really well. And there's this really fucking amazing camera, camera shot. They like a shot they do when they, when he, when Rob first has that nightmare. Well, sorry, when Luke, when Phil first has this nightmare, he like, he just kind of wake, like he's in the, he's sleeping there and there's like fucking lightning flashing down and the lightning just stops. And then it's just, this is a continuous bright light fucking shiny through the window because they found a murder house because of course they did. Yeah. You get it shining through the fucking window of this murder house. Phil goes outside and it is the liquor store. He grabs a bottle of vodka, then some blood drops into it. And then the fucking shelves just fly backwards through the woods, just revealing it to actually be the woods as all of a sudden Phil's just standing out there just with fucking five puncture wounds in his chest. Holy shit. And looking at it, it looks fucking cool as hell. Yeah, I have to watch this. And there's a, there's another scene uh, where where Phil like gets to this one part of the forest where there are a bunch of trees. All the trees are healthy and stuff. They just don't have any branches from the for like fucking twenty feet, like from the ground to twenty feet up. There are just like no branches. So it's just completely healthy, barren trees. And it's kind of that feeling of the uh, of like the fluorescent light in the woods of just this really unnatural, eerie looking place when it really isn't like it, like the music helps with that. Uh, sometimes it, sometimes the music does do the whole like, oh, something scary happened. We're going to do a fucking violin sting. But other times it just kind of lets it sit and let's and let's kind of like the nature and the scenery do what it does. Adding like very adding like very little to it. I mean, in terms of like in terms of like actually like the level of music. But it all just fucking works until the ending when everything gets explained. Then things kind of fall apart. Because if it was just like, hey, we got this fucking monster and it's in the woods doing whatever. I think that'd be fine. But then they get but then they get an actual explanation of what this monster is doing here. What it is kind of. Why people are why it's killing people and whatever. We get a bit of an explanation from that, and it is really, it really just kind of like takes a lot of the wind out of the sails of what the fuck this thing is. Which I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to say, because you say you're going to watch it. Yeah, just like, what was the name of it again? So I can make a note. The Ritual. It is a really solid horror movie with some really, with some good acting. Uh, an ending, ending that kind of falls apart and doesn't really deliver on what it needs to do, but just really great fucking sets, really great like it, locations, sets, and a fucking spectacular looking monster. It's a common thing for horror movies to kind of fail in the ending. Yeah. Yeah, so expect like, more horror movies from me, because I am going to be fucking talk. I got a fucking bunch of them in the docket. I got Black Coat's Daughter, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, other ones. Yeah. Green Room. Conjuring. Exorcist 3. Belco Experiment. Haunting. The original Haunting. Oh, the original Haunting's a classic. The Witch. I still haven't, I still haven't seen The Witch. It really bums me out because everybody was like fucking sucking that movie's dick. 
<laughs> and it looked really cool. Like, really good use of lighting. Anyway. And then moving on. Um, so GiantBomb.com has this series of podcasts that are movie commentaries, like we do. Where they drink 40s and watch movies. Ah, so they're infinitely better than ours. Yes. And currently, they're in the middle of a Nicolas Cage retrospective. Oh, lordy, lordy. So I, so I watched some Nicolas Cage movies because of that. Uh, specifically, they have done so far Face Off, National Treasure, Con Air, and today, they actually got, actually got interrupted because I had to record this, The Rock. I'm sorry. <laughs> we could have not done the recording. No, we need to do. It's not like we missed a month of recording. Yeah, it's not like people pay us now. But oh uh, yeah, so yeah, I just watched fucking Con Air face off National Treasure and The Rock. I've seen all these movies before except for Con Air. So that's what I'm going to focus on mainly. Con Air isn't very good. And I'm not talking about in a Nicolas Cage kind of not very good. Just in a actually not very good. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, Nicolas Cage... Uh, I, I want to put a pause right there. Okay. All right, for all of you out there who don't understand what how to enjoy a Nicolas Cage movie, it's probably going to be garbage. He's done some good ones. Yeah. And in those good ones, he's actually really good. Yeah. Raising Arizona, um, fucking Birdie, he was actually pretty all right in that. But what Nicolas Cage does best in a terrible movie is be a really, really weird guy in what seems like a normal kind of environment, but is slowly degrading into his own crazy. And then just kind of spirals outwards from that. So, like, that's where the enjoyment comes. To just see what lies on the other side of the rabbit hole. But I've heard that that one is just kind of dumb and boring. Yeah, so, so, it's, so it's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Which explains some of it. Yeah, actually explains a lot of it. Yeah, Nick Cage is a former Marine who, after being badmouthed in the South, because you know how the Southerners really hate the Marines? Yeah, no, it's not like the South loves the military, because guns! Bam, bam, bam! Yeah. The man actually says to him... I'm from the South, I can make those jokes. The man actually comes up to Nicholas Cage and goes, Pushes like you the reason we lost Vietnam. Oh, fuck him. So they try to jump him outside the bar, and Nick Cage kills one of them. By like you know the open palm strike punching this boat punching his nose into his brain, which I'm pretty sure doesn't work. But yeah, so Nicholas Cage gets sentenced to uh, get sentenced to jail for manslaughter. Uh, he serves his time, but he's a model prisoner in there. Um, spends all of his time like writing his writing his wife, um, writing his writing his daughter who was born while he was in prison, and just being as good a person as a guy who killed somebody can be. He is then paroled, but in order actually for him to get home, he needs to get onto a plane that is transporting the worst criminals that this fucking penal system has. 
including a black militant, uh, a rapist who raped 23 people, uh, some dude who, like, wore so a... Li- a Hollywood producer? <laughs> well, it's Danny Trejo. I don't know what that means for my joke. Uh, nothing, actually. Actually, it's kind of the kind of the antithesis of that joke, because Danny Trejo, despite being a huge, intimidating, tattooed-up, thug-looking motherfucker, seems like a genuinely good guy. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, I know who Danny Trejo is. I can't believe I forgot who he is. Of course you fucking do. It's Danny, God, it's Danny God, Dan Trejo. Ah. Uh, yeah, so... There are 100 uses for a rubber band. <laughs> or was it, there, were ni- there are 99 uses for a rubber band. It was a ridiculous number of uses for a rubber band, and they actually come up with a ton. Yeah. There's a bunch of them, and then also John Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus. A horrible murderer who has, like, fucking two degrees in whatever. He's a very smart murder man. And the best part of the movie. Like, John Malkovich is actually taking it seriously and, like, acting. <laughs> Ving Rhames is in it, too, as the Black Militant guy, and he's fun. Dave Chappelle's in it. As, like, I think, I think he, like, killed somebody over drugs. Whoa. Which, it makes sense. Yeah, so it is Nick Cage, uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump, and the worst of the worst on a plane going to a going to a different prison. Then all the convicts escape and take over the plane because the plan Cyrus set up, and the entire time Nick Cage is like trying to do his best to keep people from dying, and also trying to do his best to keep up his southern drawl. Oh Lord! Because <laughs> it is bad. It is bad. Oh no! I can't even. I. I don't even think I can recreate his how bad it is. It's like go look up clips of Nick Cage from Con Air, and you will see what we're t- what I'm talking about with this. It is. I feel like even you, like you more so than others, caveman, would be like particularly fucking. You'd be able to, you'd be able to see what I'm talking about. I think I have to watch this. No, that's the thing. I actually would recommend people watch this. Like, it's not a very good movie. It is not. It's not. It's not even in the top fucking ten Nick Cage movies. But it's something you kind of need to see. <laughs> it sounds insane. Yes, just fucking put the bunny back in the box and go watch the goddamn movie. Like, what I really want is, I just want to, like, I want to sit Nicolas Cage, Dave Chappelle, Danny Trejo, and Ving Rhames down and interview them about this movie. Just because I'd imagine they each had massively different, um... Like, different perspectives going in. Oh, uh, also, Steve Buscemi is in it. Of course he is. Yeah, he plays a... He he shows up in the most Hannibal Lecter-looking fucking outfit. Because he apparently murdered, like, dozens of people and wore a person's head as a hat across three states. I don't know. It's Bruckheimer, man. Anyway, 
<clears throat> yeah. So Face Off is amazing. Just straight up, it's fantastic. Are you going to recap the plot for the people so that they know? Because, yeah, it's it's something. Okay, so the plot of Face Off is read the title of Face Off. Yeah, uh, to be more specific, um, Nicolas Cage is a terrorist who planted a super bomb. So the cops... Specifically John Travolta. ...have to surgically remove his face and reattach it to John Travolta's face. Yeah. So John Travolta so becomes Nick Cage. Movie, it is a movie where two of the greatest overactors of our time are trying to overact As like each other. the other one overacts. It is spectacular. That's right. We've got Nick Cage playing John Travolta playing Nick overacting. Cage. And we've got, it's so good. And then, and then you so have John stupid. Travolta playing Nick Cage playing John Travolta. And the technology is so retarded. I loved it. And all of it directed by John motherfucking Wu. Which means there are doves. But only at the very end when it is the most appropriate because they're in a fucking church. It's so good. It is so stupid. Oh, yeah. So National oh Treasure, next one, is... Actually, kind of all right. Yeah, it's the it's it, it's a genuinely good film. Like, it's nothing spectacular or anything. Like, I'm not gonna be going out saying, "Oh, you've seen the fucking National Treasure," but National Treasure is just like a good, fun adventure movie. Nick Cage doesn't do his overacting. He's more in his like you know leading man serious acting, but not like okay, leading man quote unquote serious acting, not his actual serious acting. Where he just kind of is. He's trying to be charming, but just kind of can't get it. Because his idea of charming kind of stopped being charming in like 1975. Because he spends the movie in what is the closest equivalent to a leisure suit you can be in without being in a leisure suit. Yeah. Yeah, just it's just a fun fucking movie. Sean Bean's the fucking villain in it and he's great. He's great, and he doesn't die for, like, the longest time. He doesn't die at all. I thought he... No, he goes to jail. Yeah. Like, I was actually kind of shocked watching that movie. Like, like oh, this is actually like, all this right. Is this is one of actually... those movies where Sean Bean doesn't die at the end. Yeah, there's a surprising number of those. Yeah. But I, I always feel like that's not a thing until I see one. I always have to remind myself, like, whenever I whenever I fucking see the thing of, like, oh, yeah, Sean Bean dies in every movie. I then have to go, like, mentally recheck every single movie I know of where he doesn't die. But no, National Treasure, it is a, it is a solid fucking movie. Also, the probably, I, I think this is, like, the, like, technically the best. The Rock. I've never seen The Rock. The Rock is kind of amazing. And a good chunk of that actually does hang on Nicolas Cage's performance because he actually is playing a character. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, yes, he is a good actor. Yeah, Nicolas yeah. Cage is a good actor. It's why he keeps getting roles. Yeah. He's not just that weird guy who does the funny faces. He's a genuinely good actor, but I think he knows when he's gotten a shit script, so he just goes balls to the walls insane. Or just doesn't care. 
Yeah, so The Rock is the best movie Michael Bay has ever produced or directed. Uh, wasn't there another one that was supposed to be good? Bad Boys 2. No, it's not the one I'm thinking of. I can't remember. But yeah, so this is a movie starring Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris, John C. McGinley, fucking the Candyman himself, goddamn Tony Todd. Oh, and Michael Bean. Michael Bean is in there for like a glorious fucking 20 minutes. And it, this is a weirdly like complex movie. So, so the plot of the movie is Ed Harris as a military general, General Francis X. Hummel. Uh, he, along with a group of uh, people he's worked with in the past, as well as some other soldiers, they steal VX2 nerve gas and then take over Alcatraz, keeping 81 people hostage inside. Okay. They then threaten to launch the VX nerve gas on San Francisco unless the government pays reparations of $1 million to every single fa- to every single family of every of every soldier who has ever died under Hummel's command. Interesting. Because Hummel was because Hummel was like a black operative. He was like a black he was like a black ops operative. So every every one of his men who died, they died unceremoniously. Never had their bodies recovered, never had their fucking like sacrifice honored properly, and their families don't really know what happened to them. Hmm. Interesting. So the FBI and everybody else, they they bring in uh Dr. Stanley Goodspeed, aka Nicholas Motherfucking Cage, the biggest dork you've ever met. I really want to hang out with Nick Cage at some point. No, because that's that's the <laughs> like, best thing about be this fucking so movie. Cool. The best thing about this movie is Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage's performance as Stanley Goodspeed because Goodspeed is an FBI agent in kind of name only because he's more of a scientist. He is a he is a chemical weapons specialist. That's why they bring him in to deal with the VX nerve shit. Okay, but he tries to be an FBI agent. Like, like, there's a point where he like pull, a point where he like has to pull a gun on a guy. He's like, FBI, freeze, sucker! And he says, and he says it like that, the most nerdiest possible way you can do it. FBI, freeze, sucker! Yeah, and he tries so hard to be what he thinks an FBI agent should be, but fails at it spectacularly. Because he's not the fucking big dick, awesome action man. That is Sean Connery, the only person to ever escape from Alcatraz. who they then release from prison to help them break into Alcatraz. <laughs> There's a big fucking firefight. Michael Bean and his entire fucking team of, team of Marines die. And then it is up to fucking Dr. Goodspeed and John Mason to find oh and neutralize the VX nerve gas while avoiding this fucking highly trained and highly fucking motivated group of for realsy soldiers. It is amazing. And the thing that the thing that's kind of great about it is like our main bad guy, our like top build bad guy is not a bad guy. 
No. Like, like, like that, that scene where Michael Michael Bean, like all his dudes die, that is the best scene in the movie to me because it is it's kind of it's just kind of amazing. It is it is Michael Bean, a soldier with the military who knows who knows Hummel. He knows what Ed Harris has done, and he respects him immensely. But he also know and he, he like he even agrees with him. He even like comes up and says, like, hey, what you're doing here, I kind of agree with you. What happened to your men was shitty. But I'm still a soldier. I still serve the United States military and ha- and ha- and I've sworn to defend this country from threats both foreign and domestic. That is a line he says. That is awesome. And then the thing that fucking sets it off is two soldiers who are both just fucking like are like shit dick assholes just fucking jumping the gun and going way too early. Because like, like, it, it's a bunch of soldiers. So, so like they break into the shower room of Al- Alcatraz. Michael Bean's team on the ground floor, um, and Harrison his team on the upper floor, because because like a, kind of like a two tiered structure kind of thing. Because I'm assuming like guards would be there with guns to watch everybody shower, because you know prison. Both of them are screaming at each other. Ed Harris is like, "Tell your men to fucking safety and holster their weapons right now, or we will open fire." Michael Bean says, "I'm not fucking doing that because I'm, because I'm a soldier. I have to do my job." Both of them just screaming at each other. Then one dude knocks a rock off the fucking top ledge. And then everybody just starts fucking shooting. And in that, and in that bit, we get to see what kind of fucking character both Michael Bean and Ed Harris were, as well as who the actual antagonists of the movie are. It is... Oh, who's the true antagonist? Tony Todd and his buddy. Okay. Cause, cause Ed, I, cause I Ed, thought Ed, I was following and I got very confused. Yeah, because Ed Harris and his group are, we are doing this for our men. We were doing this. We were doing this for our brothers in arms who died and were never given their proper fucking rights and respect. Tony Todd and his buddy are. We want the million dollars, and we see that immediately after this happens. They fucking everybody's everybody's dead, but one guy's left alive, and one guy calls out, "Is like, hey, we got a live one over here." Tony Todd immediately pulls the guns about to shoot him, and then Harris is like, "Is like, hold to that sidearm, fucking asshole." And then goes over and like respectfully is like, sees if he's okay, dies in his arms. He closes his eyes and then just, oh, it's so good. And like everybody in this movie is acting. Everybody in this movie is fucking putting their all into this. Oh, I fucking love The Rock. If you haven't seen The Rock, go watch The Rock. The Rock is amazing. I'm going to go see The Rock. <sighs> Anywho. That's for what we've been watching then. A lot of news. This is what we got is old news, but like, I'm not going to fucking. Just, eh, I'm tired. So. Give me a TV show based on Street Fighter. Why? Because there was a web, did, because there was a web series called Street Fighter Assassin's Fist that was relatively popular, and that production team is behind the show. Okay, at least there's that. Yeah, Entertainment One is going to be handling um, international sales and the project and stuff, while the actual executive producing jobs will be handled by Joey and Joey on Ansa Ansa. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, Jacqueline Kella and Mark Wooding, all of whom did. Assassin's Fist. Uh, the series will be mainly drawing from the 
World Warrior story arc because guess what? These games kind of had story. Which is to say, there's a bunch of text written on a wiki explaining the backstory and the actual like canon story of the game before they decide to put a story mode in there after the game was released. Street Fighter Five was a fucking mess. Yeah, I know. And then, anywho, it ran along. Of course, I would have said the same thing if you told me they were making a Castlevania TV series. So, yeah, and that's awesome. I'm waiting for the next season to be released. Yeah. So, remember that Carmen San Diego TV show that was in the works? No. There's new Carmen San Diego TV show in the works. Sometimes I wonder if you do that just so that you can have the setup for saying a line like that. I really don't. I I feel like we talked about this stuff before on on the show and then just kind of never ends up happening or talking about it. But yeah, so Netflix is producing a animated series of uh for Carmen San Diego. It's a new one. It's a big fucking hoopla. Uh and it will be an origin story for Carmen. Nope. And we have our Carmen cast now. It is, it is, she'll be played by Gina Rodriguez, an actress who I feel like is primarily known for Jane the Virgin, a CW series. Yeah. Which I actually, I, I have not seen a single goddamn episode of that show. What the fuck even is it? I'm not sure, but every time I try to watch it, I get very annoyed very quickly just by the way the characters interact that I turn it off. Okay, well, yeah, the so, main lady of that's going to be Carmen Sandiego. Yay. Fucking hoopla. We got news I'm a little bit sad, a little bit happy about. So Hulu has passed over the lock and key adaptation. For those who don't know, um, Carlton Cuse. Is someone else picking it up, or uh, no? They just passed it. They just passed it over. Uh, they're going to be shopping it around. I hope someone picks it up because I'm interested in that. Yeah. So uh, this is an adaptation of uh, the Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez graphic novel series Lock and Key, a show, a a, a book series that I goddamn love. Uh, it was being done by uh, Carlton Cuse, who I feel like is a name that I know from places. I worked on a whole bunch of shit. Uh, Lost, Briscoe County Jr., Bates Motel, The Strain, Colony. Yeah, a whole bunch of shit. So yeah, he was um he was being he was gonna be showrunner on it uh, with directing by Andy Muschietti, who recently did the. 2018, 2017 version of It. And yeah, it was set up to be at the, to be uh, airing on Hulu. Uh, but then Hulu executives passed over. And yeah, so WME, a agency that is, an agency that represents Q's and the director, uh, is, is currently shopping around trying to find a new home for it. Which I hope they do. And I hope it's on a show, and I hope it's on a place that I can actually watch it. Fuck Hulu. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, except Canada. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Lock and Key is about the key is about the Lock family um, moving back into their ancestral home in Massachusetts after their after their father is murdered. Uh, once they get there, they find the house is actually full of fucking keys. And if you use the, you can if you tell use, that this was written by uh, Stephen King's much more talented child because it doesn't take place in Maine. Despite the fact that literally fucking every article I ever see talk about it says it takes place in Maine. <laughs> Fuck, I had to I edited a Wikipedia page for the first time ever, specifically to say that specifically to say that the series takes place in Massachusetts. I have to go see if someone changed it back. <laughs> He's Googling it, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm double fucking checking because if they do, I'm going to stab somebody. It is insulting to me. How many fucking people keep saying, yeah, we're going to start some place in Maine. Like, fuck you. This shit don't take place in goddamned Maine. Okay. It takes place in Massachusetts on the Wikipedia page. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love how angry that made you. <laughs> what? It fucking. God damn it. <sighs> anyway. Moving on. So. Remember Movie Pass? No. Movie Pass, for those who don't know, is a thing that was set up uh, by. Somebody. It was it was a subscription. It's a subscription service that essentially you pay ten bucks a month, and at specific theaters you get access to, I think like every movie. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that now, and I was thinking like this does not sound possible. Apparently, it's getting more possible because uh, Movie Pass has just recent Movie Pass just. Recently announced that they had teamed up with uh, Landmark Theaters, signing an exhibition deal to integrate their fucking to integrate their ticketing systems, which is, I guess, a thing. Like, yeah, it. If this thing works out, this is going to be fucking. It is weirding me out that this thing keeps like the news keeps happening and this is like, hey, this hasn't died yet. Cause I did not expect it to last as long as it has. Cause I've been seeing news like intermit intermittently about it for a while now. Just every time it every time I see news about it, it's like, wait, this, that's still not dead yet? Yeah, if this if this ends up does like actually, if this does end up actually becoming like a for really for realsies thing, that's either going to be really good or really terrible for movies, or actually, sorry, not not for movies for theaters. Which theaters themselves revitalize the theater industry? Yeah, which theaters as they are are kind of terrible. So either way, I'm fucking like sold on this. 
And if you're sold in it too, guess what? Um, they recently lowered the price of their thing for a limited time from nine ninety five to six ninety five. I'm gonna wait until I hear about it being advertised in my area to spend that money because I don't think there are any theaters in my area that are supporting it. Let me double check. Past theaters. Hmm. What is a what is a New Orleans zip code? Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. We can deal with it later. It doesn't matter. No, I'm do I'm double checking this. I want to know. It doesn't matter, dead man. I'm tired. Let's finish the recording so I can lay down. Match to me, goddamn you piece of shit. Uh, from the looks of it, there ain't. Didn't think so. Well, the map just didn't load right. Anyway, fuck it. I'd have figured Birdie would have uh, uh, been like, like cheering it on for like weeks if it was possible. Yeah. Anyway, that's for news. New releases stuff. Uh, a Quiet Place comes out this week. I'm planning on going to see that with Birdie. As well as a movie called Blockers, which, from what I've heard, is actually pretty alright. The hell? Yeah, it is a... It is a teen sex comedy about three girls who decided to lose their virginity on the same night, and their parents uh, are like, yeah, no. Uh, uh, the, the one where the only ad I get to see is the idiot parents going up and them having to shove a, um... A beer funnel up each other's asses. Uh, yeah, but as it is, it's currently sitting at a 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's be like either the advertisements are showing the worst joke. Odds are that. Well, yeah, the parents of this movie are kind of fucking really weird. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the parents of all three girls are being played by Les parents of like the individual girls are being played by Leslie Mann, Ike Barinholtz, and John Cena. Da, 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 da. That meme's dead. I know. But I didn't get to do it while it was still alive, so. And yeah, it's being directed by the fucking person who made Pitch Perfect. What? Yeah, Kay Cannon, the writer of the Pitch Perfect movies, is making a directorial debut with fucking Blockers. And it's called Blockers because it's an abbreviation of Cock Blockers. No! The whole premise of the movie is some parents figure out that their daughters want to get laid and decide, Yeah, we should let that happen. So instead of calling the cops to shut down an unsupervised party uh, manned by teenagers that have alcohol, they decide just to try to blend in. Well, to be fair, uh, from what I've, what I've read, uh, one of the parents, Ike Barinholtz, is specifically doing it because his daughter's a lesbian and she doesn't want her to, and he, does, and he doesn't want her to give virginity to a guy because of peer pressure. Okay, that's actually a very good thing, but call the cops. It's an unsupervised party filled with teenagers where there is alcohol present. 
Don't bring Problem your fucking solved. don't bring your logic into your movie, you retard. This is a sex comedy. Logic logic fucking went out the window as soon as the condoms did. Anyway, next week. Uh Isle of Dogs is coming out. I am really looking forward to that one. Yeah, so is everybody. It looks really interesting. And it's got a really interesting cast behind it. Yeah, and, you know, Wes Anderson. Yeah, that too. I'm just looking over this cast list like, fuck, man. Yeah, I know. Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Liv Schreiber, Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, Jeff Goldblum, Bob Balaban, Francis McDormand, F. Murray Abraham. They could get me by the cast list alone. <laughs> Son <laughs> like, of a bitch. I would watch this movie for the cast alone. It's that impressive. Yeah, I never, I never saw Fantastic Mr. Fox. Neither did I. I heard it was crap. I heard it was amazing. Oh, no, I'm thinking of a different Mr. Fox. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is Wes Anderson movie about George Clooney as a stop motion fox. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different Mr. Fox. Well, a different Fox movie that was made to cash in on the Mr. Fox movie. Ah. Mr. The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Another movie came out that was based on another book that was that was named basically the same thing. I think it was like the Fantastic Fox or something like that, and it was made to cash in on this on the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Hmm. I think it even had a similar plot line. Yeah. Anyway, I'll come out next week. Uh, Rampage. The Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie based on the video game. Yeah. And then a movie I'm actually kind of interested in. Uh, Truth or Dare from Blumhouse. That's a weird one. I am massively torn between whether I'm interested or annoyed. I'm Because it looks like a bunch of idiot teenagers being idiots. I'm pretty sure I'm interested. Because like I, this this was kind of thing like like as I, as I started get as I was like realized I hadn't gotten been, I hadn't been in horror for a while and started getting back into it. Saw the trailer for this and it actually really used to be like it kind of reminded me of like Final Destination. Yeah, I know. And I'm a big fan of that series. Like yeah, I think only like two, one of the movies is actually good, but I can like watch it and enjoy it and. That's what this gets for me. It's either this is either going to be an interestingly made kind of like not not wholly original, but an interestingly made horror movie, or something that is like dumb enough that I can get a laugh out of it. Either way, though, I'm, the smiley faces when they're under the effects of the curse are just weird. I kind of like them. It's off-putting to me, but I guess that's no, it, what they're going it, it's supposed for, to be. So, yeah. Like I it's can't meant really to be... be mad when they're succeeding at what they're trying to get at. Yeah, this horror movie thing. This horror movie thing made me uncomfortable. I don't like it. It didn't say it made me uncomfortable. I said it was like, I, I look at it and I'm like, what are you going for with that? I think just a. I keep looking at Megabyte's chest and seeing venom. I'm pretty sure what they were going for with it was some dude was messing around with Photoshop and made that made a face look like that, and they thought it was interesting. It was like, hey, this movie about like fucking people who are haunted by truth or dare. You want to like make that the face? 
Like, yeah, I got. I just used applied the warp effect in Photoshop. That's all. It'll take like five seconds to do it to the movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's really fucking simple, but it. I think it works it worth works. going for. It is off-putting, but I'm. It's not that I'm off-put by it. It's that I'm just like, what? You know, I look at it and I go, what? Yeah, that's fair. But hey, I guess we'll see. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. So, we'll be back when we're back. With another episode of the DestroProds.com Movies Television Podcast. And then we might have a third chair. I Hopefully. Got, I got feelers out and got people interested. Got a few bites. Let you guys know when we show up and there's a new person on here. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. Anyway, now, next time, though, we got shit coming out. I don't know. Till then, though, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. Bit late on that. I'm tired. <laughs>